Karen from County Fairgrounds USA, countyfairgrounds.net. Welcome to today's podcast. Do I have the original, the one and the only Eric Haynes, the comedy rock well, guy? Well, there's more Eric Haynes all around. We're clones, you see. They're spread all across the oh. United States. But you, you've got the one that's a one-man band and stuff. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you? Busy, normal, computer frustrated. <laughs> ah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're a pretty famous guy. You've been around for quite a while. And I take it you've never done anything else except uh, comedy, variety, and juggling. Well, pretty much. Um, I when I went back to college, um, I I did some uh, part time work as a janitor for two years, where I was uh, cleaning up a farm and ranch supply place. But while I did that, I also doubled as a, a mascot as a ten foot tall cowboy for them for their store. And I was still doing <laughs> other things. I was still doing the you know singing telegrams and juggling shows and everything else in order to actually make more money. So. But I did that for a while okay. because, uh, but that was that's the only real job I've ever had besides doing juggling shows and and uh, all the different performing things. So, um, are you okay now with the COVID stuff? I mean, are you getting bookings? Yeah, um, last year returned to I would say probably eighty percent of normal. Um, there's still some things, uh, there are a couple fairs that where they had restrictions where you were supposed to wear some sort of a face screen while you're performing. And so, um, how I did that with the one man band is I took a, a large clear umbrella and I put that as sort of a face shield in front of me on the one man band. And then I also, uh, last year built a, uh, right on car thing, um, that, uh, where I'm a sit down one man band, but it's on a, a bicycle, but it's got two wheels in the front. And that also had a windscreen that was a giant umbrella. But besides that, everything seemed to mostly return to normal. So you got a family? Yes, I do. I am married. I've got two kids, uh, twins, a boy and a girl. And they are both in college. Um, they're 22 years old. So my daughter is in linguistics and my son is in uh, business management. What do they think of their father? Oh, they, you got to think in these terms, right? Uh, they grew up with me, so until they were seven, <laughs> they thought that they thought that all daddies ate fire and walked on stilts. It was a big shock for them to go to oh. school and realize that that wasn't normal. So, um, so it was just kind of a normal thing for them growing up. They were used to the rhythm of me being gone and then being back and then being gone and then being back, and it wasn't that big of a deal for them. They weren't. Okay. They never really right. objected to it, and they they never really got excited about it. It was just kind of normal. This is what dad does for work. <laughs> I can just hear the conversations between them and the other kids. I bet they were real interesting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they were. Okay. Anyway, so um, I always like to ask, what was your first big event, and what do you remember? My first big event. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what, what qualifies as big I've done. So I learned to juggle when I was a sophomore in high school and uh, okay. immediately started doing local birthday parties and stuff like most jugglers do. That's how most people start out by doing smaller gigs and then gradually working your way up until, you know, I was booking things like uh med tech convention would be in town and they would want entertainment for their, uh, banquet. And so I would come in and I would do, I play some songs and, uh, juggle, and do unicycle and stuff like that. 
and I would get hired mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so as far as big events are concerned, um, for a while I was a mascot for a local radio station in Missoula, Montana. I was KYLP okay. radio station, and the, the football team and basketball teams were the Grizzlies, but the radio station mascot was the chicken. So I was a, a red and yellow chicken for the football and basketball games. So that was a fairly large arena-type crowd. Um, as far as doing, like, opening for concerts and stuff, um mm-hmm. Probably the first one that I did that was a fairly large arena-type show would be a Weird Al Yankovic concert I opened for him. This is back when I had a comedy duo. And so we did our shtick in front of, I think it was, I don't remember how big the arena was. I want to guess 3,000 people, maybe more than that. It was a Connect Harbor Resort, if anybody (laughs) wants to look it up. Were you nervous? A little bit, because uh, I wrote novelty songs, and that was what I did in the comedy show. And so meeting Weird Al Yankovic is like meeting the leader of your tribe, you know, for (laughs) for that part of it. At various points, I've met different people who are in my tribes. So um, if you're into novelty songs, like on the Dr. Demento show, if you meet Weird Al Yankovic or meet Dr. Demento or meet some of the other people who have written songs that are funny songs, then that's a, a big deal. That's part of your tribe. If you're a comedian and you think like a comedian, then when you're in a room with other comedians and you start to talk to them and they uh, get a riff going and you you guys get going back and forth where you're talking the way comedians do, that's like being, that's like speaking a different language. And so when I found that tribe, that was very interesting too. And there's other tribes that I belong to that are people who are in theater or people who are in various kinds of performing arts. Um, and the variety one is, is probably the most important because no matter which one of those I was in, I was a little bit of a misfit. And when you get to the better variety acts throughout the world, uh, they're all kind of a, a collection of misfit toys where what they do is unique in some way so that they don't really fit into category. They defy categorization in a lot of ways. So when okay. it, what you do is pretty unique and then you meet other people who do unique things, then it's very refreshing to be able to talk to them and they don't think what you're doing is weird. You know, every mm-hmm. performer has done that where you – you, you you feel like if you're talking to someone who's not a performer, they're like a civilian and they don't understand, you know, if you feel like you have to explain the entire industry to them. You're not just going in. I remember, remember growing up, uh, some of my mom's friends said, oh, Eric, do you still do your little skits? And this is after yeah. I'd, been, uh, I'd been making a good living as a performer. And I, I would just kind of nod and say, yes, I'm still doing my little skits. But uh, but that was their impression of it. They didn't understand that it was an entire industry and that you could actually make more money than the people who were had a normal job in town. So that's a, yeah, well, that's a hard hard thing for people to process to understand how that works. Yeah, I, I think we're raised to have quote unquote a normal job. So yeah. okay, so you you do county fairs and you do state fairs. How, uh, do you remember anything about your your earlier county fairs that you did? How did you get started doing county fairs? Um, well, I'd been on the road for eight years as a comedian, and I'd been doing uh, what would be considered a pretty squeaky clean show. Uh, the guy I worked with was not so squeaky clean, but my, my part of it was pretty squeaky clean. And uh, I started doing uh, – uh, had a big breakup with, with that team. The team broke up. It was called the Rock and Roll Comedy Circus of Death. Um, and Mm -hmm. so we split and went our separate ways. I moved to Seattle and, uh, started working in particular with an agent named Craig Cook, who, uh, took me to, uh, 
the Washington State Fair Association and uh, booked me for a couple of fairs that year. And that was a, a pretty big deal because I had done family events, but not in the fair industry. So I would go and do some a company's, um, you know, picnic in the park thing. And it would be doing mm-hmm. basically what, sure. what people would think of as sets that you would do on a fairgrounds. But it was in that situation where I'd get hired to do a festival, but it wasn't in the, uh, the fair industry. So the first ones that I did that, like I said, I'd been uh, working as a comedian for eight years where the audience is right up against you and the response is immediate. And I was doing variety as a comedian too. So I was doing a six foot unicycle routine, juggling, uh, singing songs, uh, you know, juggling while tap dancing and singing opera just as part of, as the variety part of the show really. And uh, when the first fair that I did, I think one of the first, I, I remember being in a situation where there was about 50 yards between me and the people who were sitting in a tent. And I was up on this stage and there was no way to bridge the gap between where the people were and where the stage was set. Um, even if I dragged my stuff up, if I did it today, I would have a portable sound system that I would set up near the tent to make up for it. But it was sort of an untenable situation. And people told mm-hmm. me that they enjoyed the show, but they're watching from so far away. I had no way of knowing if I was doing well or not. Eric, do, do you do strolling? Do you do strolling acts? Or are you just a stage performer now? I, I would imagine you do good at strolling. I'm, that's probably the main thing people hire me for. So now what okay. I do is I'll do stage acts um, so and do those up on a, on a stage. And I also do roving where I'm either doing stilt characters. I've got about 10 different stilt characters. Or I'll do roving as a one-man band where I, I go around and, and uh, play with a drum on my back and banjo on the front, sort of like uh, Bert and Mary Poppins. But uh, Okay, I'm really curious. You have to be in really good physical shape because let's see, you're a juggler, and and you ride that unicycle thing. And what else do you do? I mean, you have to be in good physical shape to do all those things. Yeah, yeah, I have to. I have to. I, have, I can crack walnuts with my calves. So <laughs> really, I, yeah, the one man band <laughs> weighs about sixty pounds. So when okay. I'm doing. Four, if I do four 30-minute sets a day where I'm out and I'm continually walking, you have to picture that as with a 60-pound backpack where you're stomping your feet to the beat of the music for 30 minutes or 45 minutes, and you have that going on all day, and then I'll switch that out with stilt walking, which puts different strains on your legs, and uh, and then, of course, juggling and everything else. So, yep, have to be in good shape to do what I do. So how many years have you been doing all this stuff now? Do you know? Um, my, my first juggling gig that I booked was 1981. Wow. Okay. But as so far as full-time, yeah, full-time professional, I worked for some theater companies. I, I did, I worked for a, a ballet company. Uh, there's some other things that I did that are performing related that weren't directly in the fair industry. So, but I've been doing things like that since then. Have you performed outside of the country? Um, yeah. Um, uh, I've well, I've done comedy in Canada. Um, I was part of a, a select choir when I was in college that went over to Vienna, Austria for three months, and we sang at the Staatsoper and Volksoper and, and toured around there for three months. Um, and then I was in a when I got back from that, then I joined a circus for a little while, and we went up into Canada and then all throughout the United States. That was just a two month thing before I went back to college. But not extensively. Okay. I know other people, other friends of mine who've gone over to New Zealand or done tours of Europe. I mm-hmm. haven't done that. 
Right. I've interviewed a lot of people that have also gone overseas. That's why I asked that question. So what does your wife think yep. of this? Um, she seems to tolerate it well. <laughs> my wife is a my wife is a college teacher, so she teaches uh, medical office billing and and medical terminology and all all that kind of stuff. So and she does most uh-huh. of her work online. So when all this pandemic stuff hit, she was in a yeah. pretty ideal position where she would continue be able to continue working doing what she did. But uh, every once in a while, she'll come with me on a trip if it's someplace exotic. But uh, for the most part, she just is fine with what I do. Hey, I see you're doing some state fairs coming up. You want to talk to us about that? Um, sure. Well, I've got, uh, I have a whole bunch of different bookings that are all kind of all over the map here. Here in just a second. I don't even remember what they are. I have to look them up. Um, so I'll be doing, it's, it's a variety of things. So for example, I've got uh, a couple of shows for some churches. Then I've got a show for a casino and then I've got uh, three weeks in Branson, Missouri at a theme park. And then, um, let's see, May is Glen County Fair in California. Then um, some other things for other things that are more local. Um, then Ohio State Fair, July 27th through August 1st. Clark County Fair in Ridgefield, Washington, the 5th through the 14th. And some other local festivals. Then Evergreen State Fair, which is the 25th of August through September 5th. And Columbia County Fair, September 9th, 10th, 11th. Then Washington State Fair in Puyallup, and that's the 14th through the 25th. So I'm there the last two weeks of that. Wow. And then uh, that's, other that's bookings a lot. to finish out the year in October, November. Usually I'm pretty booked up in December, too, pretty full. So there's only a few months where I'm not booked, and that's usually like February is pretty open. Um, end of June, we do a family vacation every year, so I don't book anything over that. But Those state fairs, are they um, uh, stage acts? It's usually a combination. It depends on the fair. Um, so I'll book a thing where I do, let's say I, I book a thing where they're having me do four sets. They can pick between them. They can say, well, we want you to do two stage shows and two roving sets. We want one of the roving sets to be stilts and one to be one-man band. And I would, that's what I would do. They can book one stage show a day and have me do two one-man band sets and the roving for stilts or whatever it is. Um, when the economy went south in, I think it was 2008, um, several fairs, I had just been doing stage shows and I did stilts as a supplement back then. And mm-hmm. they shifted the focus and said, we, we get a lot of bang for our buck with your stilt characters. Um, and okay. so I made four or five more stilt characters and was doing a lot of sets where that's all they were having me do was stilt walking the, the whole fair. Mm-hmm. Um, for a lot of these, like, uh, the, uh, Washington state fair in Puyallup just has me do roving. And that's a combination of walking one man band where I've got the drum on my back and banjo on the front and the new bandwagon that I debuted last year. Um, and that's where I ride from place to place and play. Um, and so that's all just roving. Um, what the thing I'm doing for Glen County fair is a combination of stage shows and roving one man band and stilts. So I think okay. if, if I remember right, I'm doing one stage show a day and the two other, it's to be announced when I get there. So, so I okay. come prepared with a lot of stuff packed in there. If I fly, it's usually just roving. You sound like you're having fun. Now you have, I take it you're having a really good time then. Oh yeah. And it gives me a chance to, um, create new things. So 
So I just wrote a song for a casino promotion that I'll be doing where somebody wins a jackpot, I'll come out and play a song on one man band. Um, and then the, like I said, I just did the, the sit down one man band that I've been planning for five years. I finally got it up and running last year for the first time. And that's uh, very exciting, especially since you talked about the stress on my body gives me the opportunity to play songs while I'm don't have a 60 pounds pack on my back, you know, with all that weight <laughs> pulling down and, and everything. Yeah. So it really does lighten the load a bit. There are a lot of people that listen to me and then there are some people who are planning on being entertainers or just going into the entertainment business. And I always mm-hmm. have to ask, uh, do you, did you, have you had any really bad experiences that you would like to tell us about to sort of warn people? <laughs> Um, I can tell you some things to watch for. Um, if somebody's interested in going into the business, the first thing that you need to know is it's just like any other job in that you have to be there early in order to be on time. You have to double check what is written down for you and you have to make sure that your costume is clean. You look professional, like you're working at a fancy restaurant. You want to be well-dressed when you come in. Take that as your first step when you're entering the market. Um, the reason you want to be very early is because there may be things that you don't realize. Like I got to one gig where I was talking to the stage manager and I was uh, very calmly putting all my equipment onto a golf cart in order to take it to the stage. And she said, you know that you start in five minutes. And I went, no, I don't. (laughs) The the online calendar and the uh, contract that I have says that I start at two. And she said, no, you start at one. And I went, well, let's get over there. Then. We, we zipped over there, and they had changed the, the time sort of on the fly, mm-hmm. on the fairgrounds, and put up signs mm-hmm. next to the stage that said I started at 1. So you have to double-check and triple-check, and a lot of times the schedule that's online does not match what's on the contract or does not match what's in the, in right. the uh, program. So you have to double-check right. with them to make sure that you've got the correct time that you have to be there. And right. you have to be a little bit uh, paranoid about that because that's that tells them if you're professional or not. No matter what time they put, the time that they put is the time that you're supposed to be there. I've also had people quote the wrong date to me at convention where they quoted me the dates from last year by mistake. I wrote it down and then uh, then the it's in a panic, you know, flying down to the place because, well, I was going to get there a day early, but it turns out that I'm going to be getting there the day of the fair. So mm-hmm. double check to make sure that what you've got written down, what they told you at convention is not different from what their actual fair dates are. And sometimes fair shift dates too. So you have to. Oh, I know that, that if anybody does. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I get, I but get those are all kind of the, Yeah. <laughs> so. The mess and bolts thing where, you, where the, if, if a date is shifted or if a time is shifted, that can really make a difference. And other performers that I know who are absolutely professional have had that happen before too, where, uh, even the date that's on their contract is different from the actual date that the fair starts. And so they'll show up and it's the, the date, the second day when they were supposed to be done the first day. And it's not really their fault because when they checked the, the calendar online, it said the old fair date. And they, so they, there wasn't a way for them to, to know that, I guess. You yep. know? But anyway, I, you I have to you. watch out for traps you. like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But the main Eric, thing is be you- professional. Is there any place that you would like to perform that you have not had the opportunity to do so? 
Um, there are some places it would be fun. I think the Grand Ole Opry would be fun. Um, there are a lot of fairs that people have told me about, like uh, Minnesota State Fair. I've had people tell me is one of the most fun fairs to perform at. Um, mm-hmm. And places like, uh, since I perform in Branson, people have come up to me at Branson and, and told me that I should perform in Dollywood, so that might be fun. Um, just that kind of thing. I, I like playing all different kinds of places, so there's really okay. no limit. You know, go overseas. That would be fun too. I keep on getting these offers, but they're it's it's like I'll get an offer from China and it's for six months, and I'm going. I'm not leaving my family for six months. No, so. Not now. And the same thing for <laughs> that. Would, yeah. <laughs> well, this was before not, COVID too. Like I got an offer from India, yeah. but it was again, it was a, a six month contract, and I can't be gone for that long. Or, or I'll get something where it's where somebody wants to do. It's a tour. They want me to be part of a show, but the show would be running for. The, the six months that my fair season runs where I've got established clientele and I can't mm-hmm. really yeah. drop everything and go do that. So It sounds like you're having a good time and you thoroughly enjoy what you do, right? I absolutely love what I do. And there's that would be that's the only reason to do it, really. Um, I feel it's my calling to lift people's spirits, and so that's what I try to do. Yes, and we all need that these days. I will agree with that. Okay, oh, yeah. Mr. Eric. So if people want to reach you and they have an interest maybe in booking you, how do they reach you? Um, They can go to my website, comedyrocket.com, which is, I I just switched it over to a new host. So it's sort of a, it's a little bit of a mess, but you can find my contact information on that. Or my other website is funmanband.com. And uh, they can contact me through either one of those websites. They both have my information on them. So you don't use a booking agent? I book through agents sometimes, but I, I don't have an agent that I work for. That's my Okay. I'm not exclusive okay. to anyone. No, I, I self book. Okay. All right. Well I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you and we'll get this up and um it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. All right, thank you. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.